Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. edition of Call It What You Want, not only because it's your second one in a week, you lucky bastard, I probably shouldn't say that word, but also because we have a very special guest. We have Jesse Marsh, of course, not a special guest, he's part of the show, but we have another special guest. In, in, in place of Charlie Davies, we have Tony Miola. Gotta yes. give it up for Big Toads. Good morning, boys. Good morning, fellas. Now, Thanks now, for having now, me. Oh, of course. We uh, we actually might prefer you over Chuck. We'll have to wait and see until after the show's over. <laughs> Just but, don't uh, tell Charlie. Okay. <laughs> we won't say anything <laughs> to him. I don't. He's somewhere doing something exotic, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, we won't tell him anything. Now, now, big tones. We have nicknames here. Uh, sometimes I'm known as Cream Cheese, and Jesse's known as Marshmallow. And and there's a nice nickname that I heard that you have that could fit into this this food theme that we have. Uh, is it okay if we call you, what is it? What meatball? Would be? <laughs> oh, meatball. meatball. You guys are digging, going back to my high school days right now. <laughs> I love that. Holy I love that. Yeah, well, yo, this is, we'll have a big Jersey theme, I think. We're going to have a big Jersey theme. That's yeah. right. I'm surrounded by uh, Jerseyans right now. My but, mom but, is smiling right now because she, <laughs> she, she was Mama Meatball in high school. That's what everyone <laughs> called her. And then I, be, she actually had the nickname before me. And then all of a sudden, I became Meatball somehow. But You're like I mean, Meatball she's smiling Jr. Somewhere. That's- <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you, Meatball, for sharing some time with us. Okay, so some of the topics we'll be talking about today, because we have such a dedicated and uh, decorated, I should say, goalkeeper from U.S. Soccer and U.S. Men's National Team, Tony Miola. We're going to have goalkeeper power rankings. We're going to have the magical soccer kingdom, kingdom of Kearney, New Jersey, which we're already having. Americans Abroad weekend preview. Uh, we'll talk about Milan and Real Betis' midweek continental excursions. Those are some big words that I'm using. Now, as we do here on the show, a little call what you want word of the day, okay? You can call the sport whatever you want, soccer, football, ball, foosball, but I've got a word for you guys. Jesse, I, I don't actually, let's, let's go to our special guest first, okay? okay. The, the okay. word is Meldrod. 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 I'm trying to say the best Meldrod. I can. Meldrod. So Meldrod. So so that that is the word soccer football, but from a different country. And and I, I want you to tell us what language or country that is from. Big tones. What are you saying there? Mel- then we'll let- Meldrod. I'm, Meldrod. I'm going. Um, I'm I'm deciding between Iceland and Norway. That's just I, I don't know why I feel like I, I, I'm going to go. Uh, that's a Norwegian word. Okay. How about that? Okay. Well, Jesse, what about you? I think it's Balkan. I'm feeling Balkan. So I'm going to go with Serbian. They play Meldrod. They definitely play a lot of Meldrod. <laughs> Both of you are wrong. Now, now here's a clue. First clue. This is, this is a language that is spoken within a region of a country 
that has won the World Cup. Okay. Has won the World Cup twice. uh... Twice. Has won the World Cup twice. Okay. So it's a language that is spoken within a region of a country that has won the World Cup twice. I mean, do 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 you want Tony to go go again? It's a Catalonian, maybe Catalonian men's and women's World Cup winners. Meldrod in Spain. No, nope, no. Uh, nope. It's only uh, it's the the I think the two time winners would have to be France. Is it a region? But is that right? Yeah, that's a, so. There are a few top division clubs from this region, and Carlos Bocanegra played for arguably the biggest one in this particular region. Ren. Yes, Ren. it is Ren, and it is France. And but uh, the answer is uh, Breton. Is, Breton, we may we the region of that. So welcome, Tony. You've been uh, introduced to the call it what you want word of the day. I was All in right. the right. I was in the right uh, part of the map, right there, Jim. It was only this far were, apart were, on the map. You, you draw were, a line between yeah. Norway and Spain. <laughs> you hit France, so you I think Tony gets <laughs> half credit. Tony gets half credit. Got it. Also, also, I want to make a correction. Uh, it's Carney, New Jersey, and I'm, I appreciate you guys for not calling me out, but I know that you can tell that I'm not from that area because I didn't pronounce it correctly. What did you say? What did you say? Journey. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm just gonna let that slide. We're just gonna let that slide. All right, let's get into some midweek action that happened for some of our Americans. We're gonna start with AC Milan taking on Ren in the Europa League. Now, Milan have never won that competition before, but they have won the Champions League a few times, not as many as Real Madrid because nobody's won it as many times as Real Madrid. Now, Big Tones, you are a huge Milan fan and Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa both started in this one in the 3-0 win. A nice comprehensive professional performance from them, really firing on all cylinders. What are your thoughts about our two Americans in this game? Uh, really good. By the way, second most uh, Champions League wins for Milan uh, in history, Seven. just just to uh, put that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think Christian Pulisic has had a great season, and I've read some stuff uh, recently that, you know, there's some numbers floating around that it's not as good as some people thought. Look, he goes into a place, and I thought this was a great move for him, um, where he's going to play week in and week out. He's going to play uh, and compete for Champions League spots. He's going to compete at the top of the Serie A table. And part of the reason they haven't won this competition is because they're rarely in this competition. Right. This is a this is a Champions League caliber side. Remember, last year they go to the semifinals of Champions League. Um, I thought he was good Um, on two occasions. I thought he had opportunities where he probably wants back in front of goal. Um, You know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and he have have uh, partnered fairly well um, right behind Giroud. And I think he's done everything that a Milan fan could ask him to do, although there probably needs to be a, a few more assists. I thought he'd be 15 combined this year, goals and assists. We still got some ways to go, and he's going to take penalty kicks, it looks like, so that might change things a little bit moving forward. Um, but but I like what he's done. I like the fact that he roams. He starts on the right-hand side, but when they go on the counter, he seems to be the guy that springs things. Um, and with regards to Yunus Musa, look, he, it was good for him to get a start. He hasn't gotten a lot of minutes as of late, and you know what that can do for your rhythm. And there was an instance uh, this weekend in their match where a ball got turned over, and he was the guy making a run, and all of a sudden he turned, and and unlike Musa uh, that we've seen, he kind of flipped out on Pioli, like literally running back, but he sprinted back and won the ball, and I thought – this could be that moment that changes things for him. But luckily, he got the start. And I thought he was okay in the middle of the field. Um, and, and all in all, uh, Jesse, just a good result for, for Milan. Uh, now, I, I don't want to say it's closed out, but I feel like it's closed out. For me, I, I think this is one of Christian's best performances on the season. Uh, Tony, you know, I mean, I've, I've kind of analyzed him a little bit on something we do with Coach's Corner, and I've talked about some of the things he does well and some of the things that I wish he would do a little bit more of. One of the things I've been a little bit critical of Christian is that I just want to see him insert himself into the game more. I want to see him go find the ball. And sometimes he hangs out on the wing too much, and I think Pioli wants him to do that. But I feel like he could be more explosive to get into the attack and, and, and at sometimes be a little bit more selfish, take chances on himself. 
I feel like a lot of times he runs hard in the box on tra- in transition, but he doesn't get the 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 cross or the service from Leao or from Giroud. So you know, I mean, I think he would have more numbers if he were a little bit more selfish at time, and if his other teammates were not so selfish. <laughs> um, but I felt like this performance, he was all over the pitch. He was pressing. He was running. He was running into the attack. He was going one v one at guys. He was good in combination at different moments. Maybe the one you're talking about is when he comes through the middle, creates a little combination, gives it to Liao and runs into the box and gets the ball back in with his left gets foot. Gets shot off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when I this is what I like to see of Christian is when he's active, when he's running, when he's a part of the game in every phase a little bit more. So for me, again, this was a really, really strong performance, even though he didn't get a, a goal or an assist. I think it's one of his best of the year. I'd love from a Milan standpoint, I think they're best in transition, right? And I know Pioli wants to have the ball and he wants to play through, you know, all three parts of the field. But without guys like Tonali, without Kessie, who they had over the last couple of years, Chahanaglu, who was there for a little bit, um, I, I think they're better in transition. And I think it opens up Leal. I think uh, Olivier Giroud can play in any sort of way, right? Uh, as he, he's a guy that's in the box and he creates and, and, and gets opportunities um, and scores goals when he has opportunities. So it, I don't think it matters as much for him whether they're a build-up team. But I think with regards to Christian, when they get in that mode, Jesse, it takes away, and Jimmy, it takes away a little bit of his of what you're talking about, the ability to roam. Because, you know, when you start getting 30 yards from goal and you're playing teams that you, you got – basically 25 guys, you know, it seems like, and uh, because it looks like the other team when they're in those, those low blocks, it looks like they've got 15 players on the field. There's nowhere really to roam. Um, And I I think when they're in transition, they're a much better team. Um, Sure. They want to have the ball, but I I love when he's running at players and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, by the way, uh, can also run through the midfield and carry the ball 30, 40 yards and make good passes. So, we saw a little bit of that yesterday uh, in this match, and I'd like to see a little bit more. Yeah, there was one play in particular that stuck out for me, and maybe it's because Yunus Musa made the pass that split the lines, and Christian Pulisic picked it up centrally behind their, their line of four of Ren and in front of the back four, and he picks up the ball, and then he gets it, and then he runs. And I feel like, you know, obviously we don't know the, the tactics of Pioli, but I agree with you, Jesse. It feels like he's being asked to stay a little bit wider to give him that the team a little bit more width and at times can maybe provide that depth in behind if, if Drew decides to step uh, into midfield. But I like when Christian has the handcuffs off to your point and, and is active and can find those gaps in the middle, because if you're a, a, a wide player and you drift centrally, it's really hard for that wide player to want to track you into those areas. And if Drew is occupying the two center backs, then he's going to find that pocket like he did. Can, he's very good on the half turn. And, and then now can run at the back four. I want to see more of that. With He does that with the U.S. because he's being asked to do that, and there's more of that space and understanding. But, but for Milan, it feels like he's not doing that as much, and I hope that they take maybe the handcuffs off and let him drift centrally at times. Because And maybe he just has that understanding with Musa, and he saw the space, and just instinctually that's where he needed to go, and it was a great pass by, by Eunice. But uh, I want to see more of that, all things considered. Overall, though, I think that it's uh, a great performance. For, for Milan, and as you mentioned, Tones, I think that uh, they're in the driver's seat to to do the business and get a, get a nice, solid, professional, maybe a 0-0 draw on leg two in France to just see it out into the next round. You, you referenced that article, though. James Bench, who's part of our family, the CBS Sports Paramount Plus family, has wrote an article with Christian Pulisic being number one, his most overrated player, in or winger, I should say, or attacker in the top five leagues in Europe. And we should have him on the show and really dress him down. I know there's some stats to back it up. We don't have to be nerdy all the time. There's still some of the intangibles that I think that he's doing that are making a difference. And I do think at times he's following the orders of his coach and the tactics that are being laid out for him. So maybe he can't impact and influence the game in that way. I think this is an issue with Musa a little bit too, because – they they want a man mark in the middle of the midfield. So when they go 3v3 in the middle of the midfield, then Musa's just following his opponent around. And at sometimes it's bringing him into the back line. And then he's not able to, when they win balls, be in position to help in those transition moments, which I think, 
again, is for, for, for Eunice is when he's at his best, when he's in open space and he's able to run with the ball. So, you know, there's, and, and listen, we know when you play in Italy that the ta- the tactical model of what the coach wants winds up being paramount to how a player performs and whether he gets the minutes that, that he wants. So, you, you know, I mean, maybe that's part of what you're talking about, Tony, when, when Pioli and, and, and Eunice have a little bit of an exchange. I think it's, I, I saw it also uh, last game. It, it was something similar, but you know, that's the same with Polisic. And if you if you were just to compare what Leal does on that side defensively versus what Christian does on his side, Christian's running back into the box and defending against his outside back a lot more and and being a very responsible teammate and player within the team. And I think it's why he plays a lot, because then that helps balance out with Leal. But that also means that Christian's not going to be as much mm-hmm. um, a part of some of these transition moments and finding easy chances and easy goals uh, as much as maybe he could. So... Um, and, and it's funny, like here in Italy and Tony, do you speak Italian? Are you fluent in Italian? I, I grew up. That's my, yeah. uh, that's my yeah. first language actually. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, you know, I'm one of the things I do to try to learn more Italian is I read Gazella della Sport, right. To try to pick up on, on some of the language and, and, you know, here where I'm in, living in Italy, not many people speak English. So you kind of have to learn, which is a good thing. But so then I, I read a lot of the articles and, and they're always super positive about Christian. And, and what he's been providing to the team. And, and there's talk sometimes that, that, yeah, of course he could, he could find a way to get more goals and assists, but, but I think everybody here has appreciated the level of intelligence and commitment to the team that he has brought. And that's earned him the respect of, of the Italian media. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think, listen, they're in a, they're both in a good place. It's a big club. Clearly the manager likes them both. They're both getting opportunities to play at a high level. They have a lot of games. I think, like you said, Tony, I think they'll go far in Europa League, so they'll continue to get minutes. And I think that this will uh, bode well for them in the development of where they are in their careers. Uh, James Bench, by the way, Jesse, he's an English writer. Um, and, you know, the English uh, writing about Americans. Uh, they love Americans. Know a little bit about, they <laughs> they, they love, love, love us, don't they? <laughs> they love Americans. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I can't. I just can't look at this. And if you take like positive and negative, I can't see the negative side of Christian Pulisic uh, at Milan right now. Right. And I know that's dumbing it down a little bit. But when you look at uh, sure, you can pick every game apart and we all do. Right. That's what we do. We pick games apart. But when I look at it, big picture and what he's done at Milan uh, so far for me, it's been all positive uh, or it's been positive. Not every single game has been positive. And I, I but say that about any players in the world. So hopefully he continues to grow there. Uh, He certainly looks happy there. Um, He looks like he's enjoying his football. He looks like he's enjoying being on the field. And and I'm knocking on wood here, right, as most uh, U.S. uh, national team fans are, uh, that he continues to stay healthy because that's that's been what's bitten him over the years. Yeah, it's really cool, ultimately, when you scrape everything away to have Americans playing for such a historic club like AC Milan and, and holding their own and, and being impactful players for that particular club. I, I just get a big thrill. I, I watch them. I, I can't believe not only do we have one, but we got two guys on AC Milan out there pulling the strings and trying to make things happen. That's awesome. All right. There's another player, though, an American. Johnny Cardoso and Real Betis were hosting Dinamo Zagreb in their Europa League or is it Conference League? It's one of the it's one of the leagues. Uh, they're still conference, in European conference. conference League. And they lost. Dinamo Zagreb got the big 1-0 win away from home. And and first things first, Johnny Cardoso, who came over from Brazil, so I guess this is kind of where he's going, but instead of putting Cardoso on the back of his jersey, he just goes with Johnny. And and I've got a lot of time for that because that is some that is some confidence. That is some confidence. And, uh, Jesse, I'll throw it to you. How do you think that Johnny performed in this particular match? I love that Manuel Pellegrini, who I really admire as a coach, is trusting him. In, in such big game and, and giving him valuable minutes throughout this whole season. Didn't you have Conradinho or something like that? <laughs> He's been waiting to say that. I did, but I didn't wear it in a real professional game. Sure. You should have been carded, red card. Better back Conradinho, that's for sure. Um, so we've been, you know, Tony, we've talked about uh, Johnny a, a, a bit since his move to Betis and and we've been really positive about his move and and this opportunity for him. He's clearly established himself with the team. He's played a lot. This for me though, wasn't his best. Um, And, and I don't know if he was maybe a little tired because he's been playing a lot of matches and a lot of minutes lately, 
he was okay, but he was defensively, he, he, he didn't press and win as many balls in the midfield and he wasn't as big a, a presence against the ball uh, in moments. And then with the ball, he had, he stayed in the middle and William would, would drift around a little bit to get balls. And then, and then when Mark Roca came in, he did some of the same thing, but he just wasn't as active in the match and as, as sharp and clear as he has been in some of the previous matches. Um, but Overall, I think we all feel really positive about about um, his presence in the team, his overall performances, the the development of what this could mean in his career to be at a club like this and to be playing in a, in a league and, and be getting major minutes. Um, and, you know, when you're a young player still, then being able to manage performance from performance to performance to performance and, and make sure that you're staying top fit and that you can handle the demands of a, of a step up in a league and, and physicality and everything else is not so easy. But clearly, this is a good situation for Johnny. Just for me, not his best performance. OK, so Tony, yeah, a lot of big, I want to actually I want to tee you up with a question here, Big Tones, because and I want this to be mixed into your analysis about Johnny overall. Has he done enough for you? And have you seen enough now that with Tyler Adams may or may not be ready for us for Copa America, would you trust Johnny Cardoso to to fill that spot for us? Or do you feel like we're going to still stick with like a Eunice Musa-Weston McKinney combo instead? Well, uh, I mean, has he done enough to be in that group? Yeah, for me, he has done, right? I, I don't know. Are we in a position as a national team that we can have a guy starting in the middle of the field in La Liga uh, game in and game out. And I think, what is it, uh, fifth match in a row and fourth with 90 minutes uh, under his belt? Like, are we at that point when we're missing uh, Tyler Adams? And my, my guess is that wherever, if Tyler Adams is available, I mean, I think it's safe to say, right, he won't be at 100% coming into the national team, right? He won't be fully fit, be able to play. Um, you know, two games potentially uh, with uh, w- with the position that he's in. And is he is his club going to allow that? What's the agreement? But if you're asking me, am I OK with bringing Johnny in? Yes. Jesse, it's, uh, it's funny because the one thing I wrote down about the game yesterday was that he wasn't around the ball enough. That's what I got out of the game. I watched this one 90 minutes. And of course, I love what he's doing. I, I wish we had more players in Spain. I think it's such a great league, and we're seeing Luca Della Torre do it. Um, and maybe this will open the door for some guys because I think it's such a great uh, place to um, go learn the tactics of the game. You always have the ball. But when I look at Johnny, I look at him as a connector, right? Win the ball and connect, right? And I think that's probably what his ultimate role is going to be on any team that he goes to. And I, yesterday the you, you hit the nail on the head for me he just wasn't around the ball enough now there's something to be said for that right because the one stat we don't see is that especially with defensive midfielders if you're not around the ball maybe you're the guy clogging up lanes for other guys remember Fakir's the guy where you got to clog up spaces in front of him quite a bit so maybe you're closing up lanes where now the attacking uh, the opposition has to look another place and they go in another direction. Um, so there's there's a little bit of that maybe as well. So take that into account. But all in all, I, I love the move for him. I was a little bit surprised by the move. I don't know where you guys were. I had no idea Johnny Cordosa was going to go from where? Was it uh, Internacional, right, to <laughs> Betis and all of a sudden find himself literally that week in the starting lineup. So you talk about a change of scenery and a change of leagues and a kid stepping in and dealing with all of that responsibility. Um, pr- pretty good start so far for him. If I'm watching that game and I'm the national team coach, I think the only concern is can Johnny play as a lone six like Tyler does, right? Or do, do you need to, against the ball, play like a double six and then maybe slide – Musa back with him or Weston McKenney just to help cover the the entire space in front of the back line so that you can defensively, you know, cover enough ground. So that's the only concern. And, and again, he looked a little tired to me. He just didn't look to have the same power that he's had in some of the previous games. 
And I, and I don't think that – I think Zagreb is a good team, but I don't think that that it's above the level that they've been playing in La Liga. Uh, so that that would be the question mark for me is if – can he play like – Tyler covers a lot of ground when he plays in there as the lone six and he's able to get left and right, close space down, win balls. And if you don't feel like you can get enough of that out of Johnny, then you might need to be thinking about how to how to help cover it a little bit with a, with a double six. Yeah, I'll be interested and to I, I think when you oh, go ahead, sorry, Jimmy, sorry. Yeah, I, I think when you use Weston McKinney, he inherently wants to get forward, but he also has that bug to get back, right? Like he's a guy that will always do the work to get back, and I think he's a little bit. For me, he's a little bit of a security blanket, right? Because yeah, you can start with two, but you know you're going to get something in the attack from Weston when he plays in there. So he he will get forward. We kind of see him at Juve. He plays in that in that five, in that inside right channel, and he'll defend as much as anybody, uh, but he will also end up in the box trying to get on the end of crosses, you know. So he's always had that work rate. So he might be a compliment to to Johnny. But, I, I, of course, all of this hinges on um, sort of the fitness of Tyler Adams and where he's at, and because he he's that one guy, as Jesse says, Jimmy, that can really get around the ball, can cover space. Um, you know, I, I don't know. How, for, your, for your side, Jesse, I mean, he – I don't know how many countless number of counterattacks he broke up almost single-handedly, right? Mm-hmm. He was just kind of waiting and backtracking and waiting and boom, he'd go attack the ball. And before you knew it, he'd, he'd poke one away and stop. That's just Tyler Adams. We It's the reason we, we don't have two of them, right? So there, there, there isn't another one just like him. So Greg's going to be forced uh, if he's not available to kind of make it up. Or, or do they, or do they play with Musa and McKenney and Gio? some version of this, you know, that that's another option, but, but even you're still asking Musa's ability to be just a pure number six defensive type midfielder. He's more of an eight and he's more of a runner as well. So yeah, they'll, they'll have some, they'll have some issues. They'll have some questions to ask of, of how to help cover a lot of the work that Tyler usually brings to the team. It's another show, but three in the back. Give me three in the back with the national team. That's what I want to see. I've been clamoring for this for for it's, years, Jimmy. Listen, we, we it's have, just me on my high horse. No, all. we have two wing. We have two players that can play the wing back position, and Anthony Robinson and Sergio Destin play it well. So, so you're uh, preaching to the choir. We would wouldn't mind seeing that, and maybe maybe we roll it out against Jamaica in the in the Nations League semifinals. I don't know, Greg Berhalter. You listening? You watching? We're gonna take our first break. A call it what you want. When we come back, we're going to break down the goalkeepers with our favorite goalkeeper in U.S. Men's National Team history, Tony Mueller. Don't go anywhere. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Call What You Want. I am Cream Cheese alongside Marshmallow and Meatball, and we're having a blast here. Talking with Tony Miola in particular about goalkeepers. So we're going to get into it right now, Big Tones. We want to know your power rankings for our goalkeepers who... uh, feel a little vulnerable right now our, our goalkeeper player pool for the nation's league and copa america who, who do you think should be vying to start uh and and i think we can all say matt turner but but is there anybody else pushing him are you worried that there aren't enough players for us to consider take it away big tones yeah i am a little bit concerned I'm, i've been talking about this for quite a while and look matt matt turner's the number one guy now um, and then after that, there's a little bit of a toss-up, right? You got an Ethan Horvath who essentially hasn't been rostered right for three or four months with his club. Um, you've you've recently had uh, Zach Steffen make the move from Europe to Colorado, so we'll see how that pans out. But I still think there's a a little ways to go, right? With with Zach, and uh, he didn't go into this sort of 
period in good form and then doesn't make the World Cup roster. And now he comes back and he's going to have to get back up uh, to speed with his form. Right. He's got to play some games. Um, I am the one guy I am impressed with in, in Major League Soccer and maybe comes under the radar, although maybe not because he won an MLS Cup. And that's Patrick Schulte. Right. He's a guy that I'm looking at and, and wanting to see now. I'll call it year two, right? Like year two of being the man on a club and what it looks like and how steady you can be. Um, trying to think of other guys. But, but my big concern overall is the lack of playing time for the goalkeepers. And I said the night of getting eliminated from uh, the World Cup in, in 22 against the Netherlands, I said, moving forward with our national team, and Jesse, you can speak better to this than I can, as a, as a manager, obviously, I would like to see every one of our guys being a starter in their group. If we're going to call this the golden generation, and I saw your rant, and I, I agree about we need a signature win, and I, um, I get all of that, but I still think a golden generation of players, including the goalkeepers, uh, needs to be playing week in and week out, and that's where we should select our players from. With the goalkeepers, though, uh, it's been a little bit different because we haven't had that luxury, Jesse, of picking from a pool of players that we know these guys are playing every week at their club. We haven't had it, right? And and that part's a little bit – that's a little concerning to me. Where are you with on Matt Turner and, and his performances and being at Nottingham? How, how do you feel about him overall? I wish that if even with the lack of playing time, you know, and now rotating and – Look, they looked at seven different goalkeepers in the. They were rumored with seven different goalkeepers in the transfer window, right? After bringing Vlakadimos in with a Greek owner, like that, all for me doesn't sit well, right? Like you're already you're already behind the eight ball. So with the lack of playing time, the games that he has played, I would l- love to have seen them been games that were all sharp, right? Where you said, okay, I did everything right in this match, and look, everyone talks about his play with the feet. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. He's not great with his feet. Uh, he's never been great with his feet. I just hate the fact that he tries to complicate it more than it needs to be. Right. Like get the ball off your feet if you're not good with it. So I'm, I'm not, I can't imagine that as a goalkeeper, he feels himself 100% confident in what he's doing. I've been back there. It, you're on an Island all the time. It's like a forward. Forward who has 10 chances and who doesn't score, right? You can't feel confident about yourself. When you get two chances and you score two goals, right? It doesn't matter how you You feel really good about yourself. I can't imagine right now Matt Turner's completely settled um, in, in what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I felt a little bit like they were asking him at times to do things with the way that they were playing out of the back, right? And And I think... When I've been a coach, what I say, Tony, often is is I don't know enough about all of the technical aspects of being a goalkeeper, right? It's the position that's hardest for, I think, us field players that become coaches. We, we, we understand positioning. We understand crossing positioning. I talk a lot about how they're the last defender, but the full technical package is it's, it's not something that I'm so savvy with. Um, but what I do know is I, I, I can tell when a, a, a goalkeeper is confident. Right. And and when he looks confident and when his mentality is strong. So that's a little bit what you're talking about. And then what I was feeling with Matt Turner is that if they're asking him to play out of the back more and I felt like Jimmy and I had a conversation that they were passing back to him too much and they were the, the defenders were just like taking no responsibility and just like, oh, we'll give it to the goalkeeper and then we don't lose it instead of playing forward or playing up the field themselves and moving the team up, that they were putting him in position to fail. And then my feeling in general with Matt was for him to get back to being confident and finding his rhythm is just sticking to the things that he knows he's good at, being strong, being having a presence and then with, with the ball, like clearing the ball out, not worrying about, you know, playing the elegant style of football, but sticking to the things that he's really good at. And by the way, his strengths are really good. He's a great shot stopper. He's long. He's good on crosses. You know, he's got real presence. He's a communicator back there. So he still has a lot of qualities for me to be a top goalkeeper. It's just for him to find his rhythm and find his confidence so that he's playing at his best again. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem. It's hard to find your rhythm for anybody, right? When you don't play. I mean, how many conversations have you had with players? Who are like, I don't feel good about the way I'm playing right now. I'm not getting a lot of minutes. How do I get to that point? We've all gone through it as players. You've gone through it at the highest level as a manager, trying to convince guys that you'll get some minutes here. This is where you need to make in training. And you look training. I hear about training all the time. They're rarely training anymore. You know, this, yeah. they're, yeah. they're hardly training with their schedule. So that's why I said when those moments where he's had opportunities, I would like them to have been a little bit sharper, and they haven't. So, so Tones, I'm going to come back to you on this because I, I think it's pretty clear that Matt Turner will be our number one. So the power rankings can pretty much start and stop there. But which goalkeepers would you actually bring to the Olympics? Because if we talk about a golden generation, maybe it's coming. I mean, Gaga Slonina. Chicago Slonina. That's what I'd bring. He's yeah. 19. You got what well, you got Chris Brady with the Chicago Fire, who I thought was tremendous last year. You, you can see his upside. You can he's gonna make some mistakes, like all of our goalkeepers. But we have some very young ones in the pipeline. You you mentioned Schulte's another one. Uh Celentano, FC Cincinnati could be one. Coaching to Barcelona. So the golden generation for our goalkeepers could be coming, but they're probably not ready yet. They're not there yet. But which ones of these, maybe five or six, would you bring to the Olympics? Which two, I guess? Well, I'd certainly – Gaga, for me, is the starter. Chris Brady, I'm not completely sold on just yet. Um, I still have to see a little bit more. Just far too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. And when I say mistakes, not like massive errors, but spilling a ball here, making a decision to come out and not come out, missing one but not paying the price for it. I, I just – I need to see a little bit more. But I know in Chicago they're really, really um, excited at this kid's development and where he's at and where he's going. But for me, Gaga Sloanine is the guy – uh, coach, and I don't know if you bring him now. Uh, he'll be 18 years old. I know Spain is looking at him. I think he has the opportunity to go uh, to Venezuela and one other. I don't know if he makes those decisions. I think there's four national teams that he could play for. So when you're looking at that young group, I mean, those would be the names that stick out. Uh, Schulte's still, tw- I-, I think he's still available for that group as yeah, well. Yeah, he'll be available. Uh, yeah, you take, oh, you, good, we have three overage players, and we've taken a goalkeeper in the past. See, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this is a group you use it with. We had, we ha- almost had to in the past, uh, but I don't think this is a group uh, you need to use an overage goalkeeper with. Okay, what about you, Jesse? Where are you on on which goalkeeper you would take to the Olympics if you? <laughs> But do you do you spend an overage here and try to bring? And not that Matt Turner would be available, but just hypothetically. No, I don't think you would. I don't think. I think um, the the player the 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 eligible players are at similar levels outside of of Matt Turner, right? And so, and Matt Turner, I think, is going to going to be committed to to Copa America. So, um, yeah, I would say Gaga. Let's say I I I, I will heed to Tony on his opinions, but Gaga for me, watching him in MLS, and and I know Oipin is. They're they're not in their best way, but still, the, it's a it's a good league, and I think he's challenged, and he plays a lot, and I think he performs pretty well. So, um, I think it'll be an opportunity for him. I think it's his to lose to 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 be the starter on the Olympic team. So, and I think we all know that with his size, with with his his athleticism and and his technical ability, and his potential is very high, very high. So, it'll be fun to watch. I think to see him develop and and if he can establish himself at a really high level at Oipen, what what other opportunities will be will be down the road in, in a couple of years. Tony Miola and Jesse Marsh have made their decisions, and I am all for it. All right, we're going to take our next break for call it what you want. When we come back, little weekend preview of our Americans abroad. So don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm Jimmy alongside Tony and Jesse, and we are talking little Americans abroad. Weekend preview, some notable fixtures. I'll start there first. On Saturday, we got Norwich versus Cardiff. Big matchup. We've got a couple Americans, uh, one on each team in that one. Celta de Vigo taking on Barcelona. Celta need a result here because they're three points away from the bottom of the table in Spain. Hell yes, Verona. That's how I like to say it. Hell yes, Verona taking on Juventus. And then Fulham taking on Aston Villa. That's happening on Saturday. On Sunday, 
Monaco taking on Nothing to Lose. Uh, Real Betis taking on Alaves and Monza taking on AC Milan. So we're going to get into some of our players to watch, games to watch. And Big Tones, I'm going to come to you first. Which game really sticks out for you in our notable fixtures? Um, well, I always look at uh, Monza and Milan, of course, Berlusconi, who's recently passed. Uh, that's like the Berlusconi um, derby, if you will. So I'll, I'll pay attention to that one. But but Norwich Mor- Norwich against Cardiff City is one that sticks out to me because Josh Sargent is on a little bit of a run right now. What, five matches in a row with a goal? And I'm still, as much as we talked about the goalkeepers earlier, I'm still looking at our number nines in the U.S. men's national team pool. And, of course, on the other side, Ethan Horvath, if he does start, he hasn't started since uh, May of last year. He hasn't started a match. So he's now at Cardiff, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm in particular, I think it's safe to say that Josh Sargent is going to get himself a run here, uh, and I'll look at him and see if his form continues because I'm not completely convinced just yet uh, that I would give the number nine position to anybody on the national team at the moment. I wouldn't hand it to anybody. And I don't know that we can uh, just kind of overlook Jesse, anybody that's uh, just scoring goals at the club level, right? When you're talking about the national team, someone who's in form. Um, So those would be obviously one eye on Milan and Monza, but uh, Norwich Cardiff uh, will be where I probably focus my attention. Okay, Norwich currently in seventh in the championship. You got to be in the top six, top two go to the Premier League, but the next four go into the playoff to try to get into the Premier League. They're tied on points with Coventry, who are in six, but uh, they're right outside of it due to goal difference. Josh Sargent actually has four goals in his last five, just to correct you there, big tones. But uh, that's still a nice run of form, and, and I'm a Sargent fan, so hopefully he continues that and can get on to. No, our, wait a minute. Are you're a. I'm, I'm a huge you're a fan. Taylor Booth. You know Taylor what? Booth I am a Taylor fan. Booth fan. They don't play the same position, Jesse. So I appreciate you okay. calling me out. But okay. I can wear pajamas for all different types of players. <laughs> I'm a big number one fan for a lot of guys. Uh, so so that's gonna be a, a good one. Cardiff, middle of the table. They need they need to get some results if they really want to have any chance uh, of getting into that playoff. It doesn't look good. But we'll see if Ethan Horvath can help them. He started uh, midweek against West Brom and lost two zero. We'll see if they go back to him again. Hopefully they will. Jesse, coming to you. What are you saying? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting games, I think. Um, I think I'm going to keep my eye on two matches, okay? Uh, the Hellas Verona against yes. Juve, and they took Timothy Weah out in the 61st minute last game, and now Juve hasn't won in, in the last three matches. So um, I hope that they, yeah, well, I, I hope that I they, they go back to, to Timothy. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'll keep an eye on, on Weston and, and we, we referenced a couple weeks ago how, how great Weston's been playing. And then I'm going to also keep an eye on, on Gio and see, um, you know, if he, maybe it's time that he gets a start. I don't know. We'll, we'll see with, with Nottingham Forest, they play West Ham. Um, obviously it's an important game for both clubs, not, not having, uh, won so much in the recent, recent weeks. So I'll kind of keep my eye on both games and then, and then I'll, I'll make my pick on Sunday. You know, and let you guys know. Okay. Sounds good. I appreciate that. I am going to stay in the Premier League. I do think that Giorena one is interesting, especially West Ham coming off that 6-0 drubbing by Arsenal at home. There could be a good opportunity to put on more attacking players, you know, Espirito, Santo, and get Gio on the field. Uh, I'd like to see that. Hopefully a start would be pretty cool. But I'm going to go Fulham. They're going to be hosting Aston Villa at Craven Cottage. Since Tim Ream has gotten back into the team, Two draws and a win in their last three. You love to see it. So long may that continue for the captain of the club and, and the captain for the national team when Tyler Adams isn't available. I know we've had dis- discussions here on the show about Tim Ream's future, but if he's continuing to play and he's playing well and he's so savvy with or without what the about, ball. What about Christian? Christian's captain too. That's true. We have a lot of captains. Okay. That's, but Is I this like, like college where you do co- try captain? <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I, I yeah, we, we, we throw vice captains out. We just have three captains. Who, who is the, the who do we go with as the captain now? Is I, it I guess Tyler, Tyler right? Yeah, yeah I mean, Tyler. I suppose. Well, he was the captain of the World Cup. Yeah. 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 So but, the, the, but, you know, try captains are always. It is kind of cool. It's like yeah. the NFL. Oh, Super Bowl, they come out with. Super Bowl, they come out with like five captains. I don't know. Yeah, they, they all roll out. They all roll out. They all roll out. So. So, but I think there's a big match, obviously, Aston Villa, uh, one of the surprise teams, maybe not a surprise to some if you're a big Unai Emery fan, but uh, they're coming off back-to-back losses, the first time they've lost consecutive games all season. So we'll see how they respond 
and uh, Fulham are coming off a big 3-1 win over Bournemouth. So it's a good one. I want to see Anthony Robinson continue to do his thing. Apparently he cut his hair, so he's he's uh, more aerodynamic than before, which if that makes him a little bit faster, we'll take it. He's obviously been very good for Fulham this season and drawing interest from clubs around the world. So I want to see how they perform against a very good Aston Villa team who probably in a little bit of crisis mode after losing two consecutive games. So those are the ones, uh, or the game that I'm looking at. And obviously we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, which Americans stepped up in our recap show next week. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. Any, any other notes for you guys on, on uh, any players we should keep an eye on? Taylor I Booth. like the Geo shout. Taylor, yeah, Taylor Booth, of course, and his brother, if they line up again. Hey, five goals in his last two other. games, Jesse. Stop making fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That's it then for Americans Abroad. We're just going to we're gonna put a little teaser on that because we look forward to talking about these players and how they perform after they get to play in these games. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the billion-dollar goal and also New Jersey hosting the 2026 World Cup Final with uh, – a guy who went to Princeton that's in New Jersey and a guy that grew up in New Jersey and just how important New Jersey has been to our country and the sport uh, overall. So, yeah, don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Some places you'll see basketball hoops, where in Kearney, you see soccer being played. You drive around daytime, nighttime, kids are playing nonstop. 30 years ago, Kearney had that. That whole early 90s team... You wouldn't have requalified for the World Cup if it wasn't for North Jersey. I don't know how much credit I want to give U.S. soccer in terms of having an actual plan. When it comes down to it, we got lucky. You have the perfect situation for that kind of generational group to come together. Three players who end up being key pillars of the national team. I think Carney, New Jersey is just the perfect example of what soccer can do, what immigrant communities can do in terms of cultivating the love for a sport. Gotta love it. Wow. The Billion Dollar Goal is a fantastic documentary. We highly suggest that you take I a look at it. I just had the chills. I just had I the chills. Me there. too. too. It focuses on the biggest game-changing moment in American soccer history and one that really hasn't been celebrated as it should be until now. The Billion Dollar Goal is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's a three-part docu-series, including first-hand accounts from several of the players who pulled off that epic upset. Plus, in one of his last interviews, the late Grant Wall provides historic perspective as only he could. And one of those players is tony miola big tones baby <laughs> unbelievable so, Man, so when you see uh, when you see that younger version of yourself like how awesome is that that you were part of this and and had such an important hands literally in in this moment in u.s soccer's history you know it's weird jimmy because anyone who knows me i, I rarely look back right i i don't i've i don't watch games i don't look at look at what I've done and maybe that's maybe that's uh, silly on my part but I always feel like I'm trying to move forward in the game and then when they asked me to do this documentary I was all over it um, and the reason I was all over it is because in this day and age with social media I get it you know you you, you develop develop fans and there's a new there's kind of pre-social media and there's there's post-social media right and how we look at players and I've, I've always felt like that particular group from Bob Gansler, our manager, on down to the last player on that roster, um, has kind of been overlooked a little bit. So I was thrilled um, to to do that documentary, be part of it, because I knew that at a minimum, well, certainly you'd learn something about the game and you'd learn about that particular game against Trinidad, but 
you would recognize and you would you would finally understand what that group went through. And you would you would know the names of some of the players. I mean, how cool was Mike Windishman in that video, uh, in that documentary? That's our captain. That's the guy like for me, I was a 20 year old kid. That's the guy when I had a problem. That's who I looked at. Um, Tab Ramos and, and John Harks were. Uh, we lived within a mile of each other, essentially, right? And Tab lived kind of right in the middle of us. I could almost draw a straight line from my house to John's house. So I knew those guys. And those are guys I leaned on when I was a young kid. Um, Bruce Murray. Bruce Murray was like the the next. And I thought he was great in the documentary. He's one of the funniest cats you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, but he was outstanding. So long story short, I was just happy that that group of players um, got recognition for doing something that quite honestly, was really special in this country. We hadn't been to the World Cup in 40 years. We take the World Cup for granted now, right? We we think we should be in the World We learned in 2018, there's no <laughs> God-given right to be in the World Cup. I don't care what region of the world you're in. But if you think about that group, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that CBS and Paramount decided to kind of dig back deep. And I, and quite, I learned a lot about the game in that first two, uh, the, the first two parts of that three-part series. I didn't know all that history. And I love the history of soccer in this country. So, man, go, go watch it. If you like anything about uh, U.S. soccer, go take a peek. Jesse, let me ask you, Tony. Can I? Sorry, Jimmy. No, go ahead. When you, so you guys are riding on the bus to go to the to go to the stadium, right? And and I've I've been to that Trinidad Stadium, and when I went there, I could only think about that moment, right, where where you guys won that match. I mean, take me through how you were feeling, your your emotions, your nerves. You know, did, did you guys re- know that it was a huge moment in history? Like, what was the feeling that you yeah. had? Um, I don't know that we knew that it was a huge moment in history. I think we all knew that this was a huge moment in our careers, right? We knew that we hadn't been in the World Cup. I watched in 1996, I'm sorry, 1986, when we lose to Costa Rica. Like, I I watched that, right? And I'm like, I want to be part of the group that gets to the World Cup. I don't want to be part of another group who fails to get to the World Cup for whatever reason, right? And and we're driving into that stadium, and there was a moment where the bus driver literally looked back at Bob Gansler and said, I think we're going to have to walk from here. And there's like, there's no walking through that Red Sea of people. Like, we're not going. Like, you got to step on the gas here somehow. We could hardly <laughs> get into the stadium. People were painting their cars red, their houses red. I mean, they had won the game already. Um, and But for me, I was a, I was a punk from New Jersey. Like, there's no way we're going to lose this game. Like there's not that like didn't cross your mind. Um, and then what it did for the sport after the fact, uh, just incredible. So I, again, I'm happy that people will know some of those names that maybe they didn't know in the, uh, the, the U S soccer uh, history books. Well, Tony, we're going to go right back to you on this then with the announcement that the World Cup final in 2026 is going to be in New Jersey. Yes, I know they claim a little bit of New York and I understand why they do that. But but how full circle of a moment is this? And I know that we hosted the 94 and I know there were some big games in this in the same area, but to host the World Cup final hits different, the different gravy, different sauce. How, how, how does that feel for you knowing that how big and how important New Jersey was to the development of the game and to... to help us achieve as much as we have. And we could speak on the women's team too, right? Carly Lloyd, I believe, is from New Jersey as well. So she's been uh, a pretty pivotal member of the women's national team for quite some time. Well, Jimmy, those who know, actually, uh, they refer to it as the great state of New Jersey is what is how they <laughs> call it when they refer to it. But yeah, look, I'm excited. I was a little bit surprised. I thought it was going to be Dallas, right? Dallas, um, you know, let's face it, FIFA is about money, right? They've got 200 and <laughs> I think 30 plus suites. Uh, they've got 12,000 VIP seats in AT&T Stadium. And that to me just like reeks money, 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 money every time you put people in there. Uh, but I'm so excited, man. It's in New Jersey. I can't believe that's three miles from where my parents live uh, and, and where I grew up. And and uh, to have it to, to, to think when I'm sitting there watching Italy in 1982 and watching Dino's off uh, and that group and, and Tardelli and all of those players that I grew up watching, uh, to think that a game like that is going to be like in my backyard um, is incredible to me. Uh, and, and 
gosh, as a, as a kid from New Jersey, man, if you'd have told me in 1982, this was going to happen, I'd have told you you're crazy, man, but I'm so happy it's here. I, I, what are you, what, why did you three emerge for in, in, in the whole picture of us soccer? Was it lucky? Was it that you guys had some good coaches and mentors that you were always in the streets playing? Like, what do you, what do you attribute the reason to, to why you three became so good? Yeah. Good question. Um, you, you just said, you just named all the reasons. I think, uh, we were, you're lucky. We had great coaches, um, we played Jesse in the streets until the cops would kick us out. All right. There's, there's been documentaries about the courts in New Jersey. And I think you guys have probably been down there at some point. Right. And now yeah. in Harrison, I rode by Harrison, right by the, uh, the arena, Red Bull arena about two weeks ago. And I'm amazed still how many people line up to play. Um, we thought Jesse, I you know, you didn't grow up in New Jersey. We thought where we grew up was like normal around the country, right? All first generation kids, uh, predominantly from from the UK, Scotland, uh, England, and Ireland. I myself and Sal Rosamilli were the only two Italians in town, so we kind of they just let us play. Um, we thought it was normal that that's what you do. You go in the street all night and you play soccer. We didn't play football. We didn't play baseball. Though I love baseball, I grew up playing it. Um, we we played soccer. That's what we did. Um, we come to realize now that that wasn't necessarily what was happening all around the country, right? That's not how everybody grew up. Uh, and you add all of those things up, you get a you get a flavor for winning. Um, and then, you know, one thing leads to another. <laughs> Before you know it, the two of us uh, combined played in two World Cups together, and we played in, you know, a few more total. But it's incredible. Uh, I'm so happy to see now that we have more of that around the country. I don't think we do it enough. Um, and I think that's why, and I know it's a bigger discussion. That's why in, you know, South America is producing some of those players with a little more flair, maybe because they're little, they, they take the reins off a little bit more maybe than we do uh, here in the U S but um, we, we just, we played all night. There were no rules. The rule was win, find a way to win, find a way to be the guy that stays on the court all night. So I mean, you 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 said it better. I mean, it's a combination of things. Um, the luck is one of them. There's no question about it. But uh, we we were lucky to be in that area of the country. Let me let me. Let, I want to say, Tony, it hurt my heart to hear you say that that you don't think that some of your guys have been appreciated and acknowledged. You know, I, I've been on a few of these things and talked about whether it was the billion dollar goal or there was another documentary that. Um, McCabe did about about you guys in in New Soccer Jersey, Town in, in, USA, yeah, yeah. Soccer Town yeah. USA, and you know for me you guys were my heroes, like really, like growing up and watching oh, you guys play. I, I watched the Trinidad game. I don't think I would have been in an MLS. I don't think I would have been the player that I was. I you know, and then obviously going to MLS and the you guys were a big reason why MLS even existed. And then the opportunities that it gave to all of us in, in the, I remember, I think I went to watch you guys play AC Milan in 1988. I think it was in Chicago and I was on the youth yeah. national, 89 and I was on the youth yeah. national team. Andy Rudowski was the trainer for us. He was the trainer for you. He gave me tickets to the match. I brought my best friend who we played with. We drove, I, I just got my driver's license. I drove down to Chicago. I watched you guys. Then he got us into the post game. And I was like, I think I was 16. I just got my license. I was walking around getting your guys interviews. We were taking photos. Like my friend and I couldn't believe that we met you guys. And literally you guys were an inspiration. Um, I think you were the first real good national team that we had that I can remember and and obviously the success that you had to get to 90 and then how you guys helped the success of 94 and then at the start of MLS so you know I now I'm friends with a lot of you guys and and I text with a lot of you guys and follow and I know you guys have been really supportive of me in my career and it means a lot to me and I and I want you to know that there's still this there's a core generation of us who looked up to you guys and thought the world of you and and you've meant the world to us in terms of the stat, being able to establish a career for ourselves. Well, I appreciate that. And, and again, I, I will say this, like I've been in the game since I left, you know, John Harks, people will recognize Tab Ramos. But did they know Bruce Murray? 
but maybe he was one of the best forwards yeah. we've ever had. Did they know yeah. John Stolmeyer our six? Did they know John Doyle, who played Windishman in MLS a, a little one. bit? He was a great Mike player. Mike Windishman was our yeah. captain, and I'll tell you what, I've had so many captains, and I've been a captain, by far the best one. I mean, no Long Island guy, no no frills. Um, hey, uh, Mike, what do I, you do this, and you did that, whatever it was. Like, when you – when and so – that's my point. Um, Brian Bliss, who's been at Sporting Kansas City for a while, played in the league, but do people really know that he was in that group? You know, Paul Crumpy. Desmond Armstrong, Jimmy Banks. Jimmy Banks was from my area. You know, you could Hugo Perez, Frankie. You know, you you guys, you got Kobe. You guys had a really talented group, really talented. I'll just say for the record, I, I had my Soccer America clip, clip stuff, and I had Desmond Armstrong all over my like closet door because I, I I loved his game in particular. Love it, man. And Love and it. and I'll say this very quickly, my own story. When I got traded from the San Jose Earthquakes and MLS to Kansas City, uh, my my number one selling point and for it, it was like I get to play with Tony Miola. And you know how <laughs> like everybody knows who Tony Miola is. Like he's gonna be on my team. I used to watch that guy and look up to him and and uh, it was a big thrill. And then I ended up saving your life almost, right? I almost <laughs> saved true. your life at Giant in Stadium. New Jersey. When you... And yeah. Ivis, Ivis, who we saw. in New Jersey, please, Jimmy. A great state in New goal. Jersey. We just saw Ivis talking about it, but I actually did collapse in a game against the Metro Stars. It was really hot that day, and Big Tones came out and made sure that I was okay. Well, you were that right was... in front of me. I mean, you literally That's fell true. like true. you were – remember, it was not a restart, if I remember. And, you lit, I mean, you hit the ground. You, you fainted. Um, and you know, I did everything short of uh, mouth to mouth because I saw the paramedics coming, but, um, I was mad. I my, want a little mouth to mouth in my life, but, um, yeah, so we go full circle, my friend, full circle, but yeah, wow. It's, it's been incredible. And, and to, to echo the sentiments from Jesse, I can't tell you how important you and, and all these other players, this, this group of players were to the next generation and, and hopefully the generation where we play, not necessarily me and Jesse per se, but, but continues to inspire uh, the kids to be even better and, and want to be even better and, and want to be part of what we're building here. And, and uh, it's incredible. Thanks. And I can't Thanks, say enough, guys. the billion dollar goal, everybody streaming on Paramount plus go check it out. If you haven't, if this hasn't sold you on watching it, I don't know what else will, cause this has been an incredible uh, conversation about it. Okay. We got our last break Call it what you want. So we're going to get into a little Jersey swap history. Tony Mueller, what's his best Jersey swap of all time? It's going to be good. So come right back and join us. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Call It What You Want. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Jesse Marsh and Tony Miola. And Big Tones, in honor of New Jersey, I'd like to ask you about your favorite New Jersey from your playing career. Like what I did. That's terrible. It's a terrible pun. By the there. way, we didn't bring up the nothing to lose. The, uh, the, next time you say that, it's a fine. I think we have to go into the fine. <laughs> I say it so fast. I just keep it moving. It's I just so keep it moving. Bad. It's, it's so such a bad. bad dad joke that even the dads think it's a bad joke. So that's how bad it is. So big tones. We 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 have done this in the past, but your favorite jersey swap, or or maybe a time you wanted to swap jerseys and you got the big uh-uh, I don't swap. We've had that happen. But or or do do goalkeepers even swap jerseys? I don't even oh, know how that yeah. works. Okay. Oh yeah, we swap jerseys. I, I think my favorite one is probably uh Walter Zenga in the World Cup in, in Italy. Um, wow, that match, we lost one nil. <laughs> well, you asked me, I have to give you the answer. <laughs> that's a great um, one. No, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah. He saved um, it with his butt, Tony. He saved, he barely uh, saved, uh, my I think gosh. it was jab shot with his butt. Uh, Pete, uh, uh, Bruce Murray with the free kick. And I think Peter oh. Vermes with the follow-up and Zenga that's came right. out and spread himself and it hit him in the butt. We would have, we'd have tied it one, one. Uh, but yeah, that one, because if I could pick two places, uh, to play in the World Cup, obviously they would have been Italy and the U.S. And here I was as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, uh, I'm sorry at the time, um, playing a World Cup in Italy in Rome against the host nation. Um, I couldn't have picked a better uh, a better spot to do it. And, and, hell, we got drawn with Italy. We have to play, right? And we got our asses whooped <laughs> the game before 5-1 against Czechoslovakia and um, we, I think we made up for it uh, with the performance we put against Italy and had a chance. So that that jersey, I have it framed um, at my house, and nice. yeah, it's a gray, really cool right? One. It was it's gray. 
It's the gray, it's the shiny gray, yep. if you remember. Yep. It had that shine with the logo and uh, the collar, too, which was really, really cool. Uh, so that's the one, Jimmy. Okay. No, it's funny when you bring up that you got smashed by Czech, Czechoslovakia and then had a redeeming performance against Italy, because that happened to us in the 2006 World Cup. We got smoked by Czech Republic. Uh, Jan Kohler dunked on us. He's like six foot eight and dunked on us three minutes in. And Pavel Nedved was unbelievable to watch in person. And Thomas Rosicki scored a banger. And and then we had to we had to have something in the second group game. And we got that one one draw against Italy. And so I feel like we lived little parallel lives. And I got to play, which was awesome. But so I had a similar moment. I switched with Andrea Pirlo. That's my flex of the day. But but, oh, wow. but Zenga sounds a lot cooler to be honest because of his butt <laughs> save in particular and because of all the things that you mentioned. Uh, uh, Jesse, since uh, the, we've talked about the, the floor of changing jerseys, like who do you, who's your favorite while we have you? Well, I, I, I didn't trade a lot of jerseys I, mostly cause I don't think, uh, any of my opponents wanted my, you sure. I, I saw, I saw a video where you and Beckham kind of getting into it one time. I thought maybe you switched. Yeah. Then I was that. like, here, and he was like, you can keep it. <laughs> no, but I, so I don't remember, but I, when I was with DC United, I think it was our second season. We played Leeds United. Right. And I, oh, wow. and this was like, a, this was like a test match, you know, like a scrimmage. So I show up to Leeds, right. And I, right away we're kind of in the fire and trying to do everything we can to get results. So we don't get re- relegated. And there's a, a, a guy named Mark Jackson who had played for the club and he was coaching the, the U23 team. And so I, I, we needed staff members. So I brought him in with my team and then we were traveling, I think, for our first match to Leicester, and we're on the bus. And he goes, he says to me, "Hey, I, I think I have your jersey." <laughs> and I said, "What?" And he says, "Yeah, I think, I think uh, we traded jerseys when we played in 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 DC against DC United back in you know 1997." And so the next week, he brought and he had my jersey. Like wow. and, and Tony, I don't know if you remember those old jerseys; they were all like stitched. They looked like they were yeah, stitched by they hand, were heavy. like you know, <laughs> yeah. heavy as can be, huge. <laughs> and so he brought it, and and I and and then he had me sign it, and then we took a photo together. It's crazy that that here we connected years later. So. That's a great story. Wow, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that's. A good I, one. I think it's because he didn't know how bad I was that he thought that's why he went. <laughs> Maybe I, I must have played better. I must have played out of my mind. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to call it a show. We want to give a shout-out once again to Big Tones, Tony Miola, for joining us. Hopefully, you'll be joining us again very, very soon. Jesse, great to see you as always. Shout-out to A. Ivis Gallarsep for his performance in the Billion Dollar Goal, of course. And go check that out again on Paramount+. Plus. And for all the work that he does for us behind the scenes, producer Des, producer Brad, we appreciate you guys. And thank you for listening and watching. As always, we'll see you very, very soon. Have a good weekend. Later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.